Welcome to the Why Didn't I Know podcast. This is episode 13. I'm your host, Dr. Jenny Martin, and the title of this episode is The Divine Feminine Virgin Myth. If you haven't yet listened to the previous episodes, Jesus's Band Teachings About Sex, and also the episode Trauma, Psychedelic Sex, and Mary Magdalene, you might want to listen to those ones first because they'll give you the foundation for what we're talking about today. In this episode, I'm going to share with you some insights that I have into the Gospel of Philip. I've mentioned this Gospel in previous episodes, and I believe reclaiming the wisdom that is in this ancient scripture will give us access to the transcendent state that so many people are looking for today. And some people are finding it through meditation or psychedelics or various other ways. But there is something about accessing the transcendent state through sexual intimacy that I believe is even far more transformative for a human being because as we know we're social social beings we need to connect with other people when people are on their deathbed they don't talk about their accomplishments they talk about the relationships they've had in life and our close relationships really make life worth a living You know, there's been successful people that have gained all their dreams. They've made their dreams happen. And then they found, well, it's shallow because I didn't have anyone to share it with. Well, the Gospel of Philip is giving us a window into the possibility that, yes, having an intimate relationship with another person is really makes life worth living, but could it also if you're practicing sexual intimacy in the way that it's suggesting here, could it also make you realize the most incredible potential that you have on this earth, that you are not just this flesh and blood person, that you're not just in a skin suit, that you're not just a material being, that you are a spiritual being having a human experience. And that is a statement that is so widely quoted, but it doesn't really ring true to us on a daily basis if we don't have some practice that helps us to realize that. Now, granted, our brain can't really figure that out. We can have an intellectual understanding of what it means to be a be a spiritual being having a human experience but that's just all the ego trying to wrestle with these concepts 
it is when we actually have a visceral experience of this, then we have a new understanding. We have insight. And what is fascinating to me is that I believe the Gospel of Philip is giving us a roadmap to access this true transcendent nature that is within us. And it is doing it in a, a quite a different way than a lot of us are accustomed to, to learning about. So I live in Seattle, Washington, and the predominant way people talk about these things is going to a retreat and sitting in a certain position for hours on end to release the desire, to release the body, and to transcend the body to access a higher state of mind. And granted, those type of disciplined practices really do benefit so many people and really do help some people to actually really realize a higher state of mind. But I believe that there is a path. I don't believe it. I know it. I've experienced it. I'm not saying I'm enlightened, but I certainly have been 100% transformed from the person that I used to be. And I believe that there's a path that is through the body, through desire, through pleasure, not relinquishing those things, but immersing ourselves in those things brings the same transcendent experience that people who are disciplining the body and overcoming the body are also experiencing and reaching for. And, you know, there is a scientist, Andrew Newberg, who has looked at brain scans of people who are longtime meditators and people that have reached a state of sexual ecstasy and the same parts of the brain shut down in both of those experiences. So that gives us some insight that we are hardwired for this through sex. Now, the Gospel of Philip, I believe, it's it's certainly written in coded form, so it's not going to speak in a literal way the way I'm going to speak with you, but I believe that it is presenting the feminine path to get to this transcendent state. Some people have suggested that this gospel is actually reflects the wisdom that Mary Magdalene brought to the earth, and then she then transferred to Jesus. So that's one possibility. I do I do uh, feel that that's true uh, to a certain extent. And, uh, you know, it's certainly not the way that uh, we've been taught how this whole thing, uh, how Jesus's life and his teachings were all about. We've been taught something very different. Uh, and it's up to you as the listener to determine what's right in your heart and to know what is true for you. But if we look at the idea of by their fruits shall you know them, well, 
the current teaching that we're supposed to deny the body and Jesus was celibate and women were kind of second class, if we look at that whole paradigm, then, and I mean by second class, I mean the, the story of the Garden of Eden. The idea is that the woman was the one who caused the downfall, and that immediately puts her under the authority of the male, and that's the justification for women never being popes and, and so forth. But if we look at that whole perspective of how we're presented with this whole story of Jesus's life and teachings, and we look at, okay, what are the fruits of that perspective? Well, there is a lot of people that have been disenfranchised from belief in God, from spirituality, by being harmed by religious uh teachings in the church. And there is certainly an abundance of misuse of sexual energy. And I'm not saying that in a moralistic term, misuse of sexual energy. I'm saying that in a rape, trauma, sexual addiction uh, term. And, And what I mean by sexual addiction is there are certainly people out there that are losing their job, they're losing their marriage because they can't disconnect from their sexuality, disconnect from porn or having affairs or whatever. It's actually running their life and it's it's addictive cycle. So oftentimes that can show up with people that have had quite fundamentalist Christian backgrounds. So if we look at those fruits of the predominant teaching about Jesus's life that we've been taught about him being born of a virgin, about him relinquishing all ties to marriage and and all of that, we can see that this has given us pretty nasty fruit. (laughs) It has given us a, a world that is a lot of misuse of sexual energy. So that's where we are today. And with all of those issues about sexuality in the world today that are really dark, it begs the question, could there be another interpretation of the original message of Jesus around sexuality? And this is why I go to this Gospel of Philip that gives a different perspective. And I really believe that if this more, I'll call it enlightened perspective, was the predominant message throughout the world today, throughout Christianity today, throughout the world today, that we wouldn't have the same kind of abuse of sexual energy And not only that, I believe people would be able to access the transcendent state through sex much more readily because they would see the roadmap. Without a roadmap, we don't even know it's possible. One, we don't even know transcendent states are possible through sex in the West. And then two, 
without the roadmap, we don't have a sense of what it takes to get there. So, cause we don't, we're not born with this idea. It's something that is taught to us. So having said that, I'm going to share with you a page that I just randomly opened in this gospel. And this is, I'm using the translation by Le Loop, and I'll link that below. And this is on page 51 of his translation. And it says, some say that Mary was impregnated by the grace of the Holy Spirit, but they do not know what they say. How could the feminine impregnate the feminine? Mary is the virgin silence, which no evil power defiles or detracts. She abides as the immaculate silence. So that's the, the little nugget that I wanted to share with you on this episode. And part of this is pretty straightforward, even to the intellect. Um, this passage is really challenging. The well-accepted notion that uh, Jesus was born of a celibate woman. And so that's pretty straightforward, it's being pretty uh, direct in that statement. And what is very interesting to me is today we have the notion predominantly that the Holy Spirit is a masculine, is associated with the masculine. And what this is suggesting here is that the Holy Spirit is feminine. So what's interesting here for me, first of all, is that when it says, how could the feminine impregnate the feminine? And the first feminine word is with a capital F. The second feminine word is with a small f. So in other words, it's suggesting here that the Holy Spirit is a femi- is feminine and uh it's suggesting that, you know, that doesn't even work with the laws of nature here, right? So there has to be uh, the opposites. There has to be the masculine and feminine for impregnation to happen. And right away, this is challenging the notion that the Holy Spirit, which is an idea that so many people, whether they're Christian or not, have adopted this idea that there's this Holy Spirit that indwells us and that there's this Holy Spirit in the world that is our connection with God. And today it's predominantly talked about that the Holy Spirit is masculine because the whole thing is apparently masculine uh, in the way it's viewed today. We're also living in a patriarchal world, so it's not surprising. But what this scripture is saying is, no, 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 no. This was feminine. The Holy Spirit is feminine. And the Holy Spirit, which is supposedly impregnated Mary, 
She couldn't have done that because it was feminine, impregnating the feminine. Now, I understand. I'm not going to get into the messy theology of this. Some people will say, well, it's divine. The divine can do anything. I get it. But I think, I think that the reason why they're saying this here is to let us realize that the feminine is so, so important. When we replace the idea that the Holy Spirit, when we lose the fact that the Holy Spirit is a feminine presence, we lose part of the power of this. And there is a hunger, let's face it, there is a hunger for the feminine mystical presence in the world. And one case in point for that is there was a research study, I think it was out of London College, where three quarters of the people, and I've mentioned this on previous episodes, I believe, three quarters of the people that took DMT, the most potent psychedelic that transports you into another dimension, that they speak about the people that have been part of research studies that have taken DMT, they speak about not identifying as atheist after the experience of DMT. And what also shows up in a lot of these different trip reports is people encountering the presence of the feminine. My point here is that there is a hunger for the mystical side of life. There is a hunger in modern society for a spiritual experience. And quite often, psychedelics are viewed as the feminine. Mother Ayahuasca. Peru is a place where these ceremonies happen all the time, and they worship Pachamama, which is Mother Earth. These are plants that come from the earth, and the earth is seen as feminine. So I understand also that we're in a time in the world today where it's politically incorrect to be focused on the masculine or the feminine, and you're supposed to be just inclusive of all. But if we rush too quickly to deny the importance of the feminine before we even realize the power of the feminine, we're missing out on something. Because in the unseen world, there is great power in the feminine. And if we don't recognize it for what, it's, for what it is, then we are not able to really source that power and tap into that power. And the Christian story, I believe, what they're saying here in this Gospel of Philip is that it was distorted. It was distorted that Virgin Mary was made up version of the story by church fathers who wanted it to be that way. This reminds me as well is that when I read the book, The Woman with the Alabaster Jar, back in mid-1990s, what I noticed was 
she documents in this scholarly book that there was a period of time that the churches in Europe, they had a symbol of the divine feminine in their churches, but it wasn't the Virgin Mary. That switched out, I believe she says, in the 14th century, the 15th century. Then all of this, the most of the statues became the Virgin Mary, because that was the story that we were supposed to believe in. We we're supposed to believe in a virginal mother, and that was associated with purity, purity non-sexual. And the colors that you see on those statues are blue and white, and that is the sanctioned colors. But what you see before that, as Margaret points out in her book, was a very different image of the divine feminine. And these statues were black. So the woman had black skin. She was dark skinned. And that is called the Black Madonna. Now, the Black Madonna in those early times in Christian history was associated with Mary Magdalene, not with the celibate version, the celibate uh, Mother Mary. So it was Mary Magdalene who was seen to give the faithful the link to the divine feminine. She was the representation prior to church fathers shifting the narrative and wanting us to focus on this celibate motherly image. Okay. So going back to this passage in the gospel of Philip, it says, Mary is the virgin silence, which no evil power defiles or distracts. She abides as the immaculate silence. So what this is suggesting here is that there is a different interpretation of the word virgin. So we have been led to believe that Virgin is associated with having no sex. Virgin is associated with celibacy. And therefore, celibacy is associated with spiritual purity. That's the whole idea that has been presented for such a long time. So what this scripture is saying is that there is a different way of viewing virgin. And that other way of viewing virgin is that she didn't have any negative vibration to her. She didn't have, it says there's no evil power defiles or distracts her. She abides in immaculate silence. So let's talk about that in more modern terms. And that could be that she had a very high vibration. So Mary was chosen to have this child because she had carried a very high frequency in her body. 
So this idea that virgin could mean something else also relates to some of the research from Dr. David Hawkins in the book Power Versus Force. He was a psychiatrist who explored human consciousness, and he did some very innovative testing to determine the vibrational frequency of different states of being, different emotions, different feeling states. And so he put together a map of human consciousness. And what he showed is that the vibration that your body is in shifts depending on the state that you're inhabiting. For instance, he showed that at the very lowest vibration is shame. So shame, which is a loathing of self, which is a hatred for your entire self, keeps you stuck in the very lowest energy level, very lowest vibration. And at the opposite end, the very top of the map of consciousness, he shows enlightenment, where you are one with your true self, you are one with the divine. And that at that level, you are vibrating at the very highest vibration. Now, this concept of vibration sometimes is just thought of as woo-woo, but if you look at the science of consciousness, scientists today are really appreciating that all biological functioning is rhythmic and harmonious, and that human life is based on rhythm or oscillations or vibrations What science is now appreciating is there is a coherent style of functioning that your cells actually oscillate, vibrate at particular rhythms. If you're healthy, a particular rhythm, or if you're in disease. And the same thing can be said for the state of mind that you're in very low shame and guilt and fear are very low vibrations and love and joy. And then you get to the very top. Enlightenment is very high vibration. So this whole idea is we can either be coherent and be in a very high vibration, or we can be out of harmony in our body and be in a very low vibration. That's where disease shows up. That's where really negative states, uh, such as self-hatred, fear, guilt, anger, so forth, those are associated with being out of the rhythmic balance in your body, out of a state of coherence. And being in a high vibrational state being in appreciation and joy and love and at the very top enlightenment, 
that's being in harmony with your body. That's being in harmony. Your whole system is in harmony. Your cells are vibrating in a rhythmic, coherent fashion. Another way of explaining this is that if you think about all of the instruments in a symphony, when coherence is happening, they're all playing on the same note. They're in harmony. Decoherence, when there is a lack of coherence in biological system in us as human beings, an example of decoherence would be if the orchestra and all of the instruments are playing, but the tuba is playing off key. It's playing a out of harmony with the rest of the instruments in the symphony. That is an example of decoherence. And so in the in our bodies, in our spiritual path, being coherent is having a high vibration. And this is what David Hawkins so wonderfully did in his map of consciousness. He gave us a view of what that looks like and he attributed different numerical values to the different states and the very highest being enlightenment. And interestingly enough, he has a concept in his book that if there is one person on earth that is vibrating at the level of enlightenment, where they're completely aware, living with complete awareness of their divinity, and they're at that very level of almost unconditional love, actually, you could say unconditional love, that that vibration is sent out and transforms the entire planet. And he mentions that there has only been a few people, according to his belief, who have ever walked on earth, who held that very high vibration. And he believes Jesus being one of them. I would also say Mary Magdalene being one of them, but that's uh, not part of what David Hawkins was looking at. He also said Buddha was another one. And the whole idea is that if a person like that is walking by you, you are transformed because their vibration is so high, but they don't even need to walk by you. They can just exist on the planet and they just uplift the vibration of the entire planet because we're all connected by a unseen field of energy. And this energy that is radiating off someone who's at the very highest level of this map of consciousness is going to be transformative to every person on the planet. So that is a way to understand what they're talking about here in this Gospel of Philip when they're talking about she was virginal. They're not talking about that she didn't have sex. They're talking about the fact that she was carrying a very high, high vibration. So another idea here is that if Jesus came into the world quite high in his vibration, that he would need to be carried in the womb of someone who was also a very high vibration, or else it's possible 
there could have been a miscarriage because if he's coming in with a very high vibration as a little baby and the mother lives in a very low vibration, she's hates herself, she's angry, she's fearful, then there was a mismatch in vibration and that child would not be able to stay and grow properly in that woman's womb. So it makes sense that they're saying here that Mary, her life was chosen to carry this baby because she lived in a pretty high level of frequency. She, her body was in a state of high coherence. And in that high coherent state, she could have, it was a good environment for this little baby Jesus to be thriving and growing and then to eventually being born. But nowhere here, nowhere here does it say that she gained her status in the spiritual realm because she never had sexual pleasure. Not at all. As we go through this gospel, what is evident to me is that it is through sexual intimacy, through sexual pleasure, that we actually gain this very high coherent state. And there is an understanding through science to explain how that could be, that it is through a conscious lovemaking process that you gain, you can bring your body into a higher state of frequency. You can bring your body into a higher vibrational state. And this is what's contained in this gospel. Now, it doesn't say that Virgin Mary did that during sex. That's the only time I believe it even mentions her. The rest of the book is unpacking this idea that we're more than human and unpacking this idea that there's something very special about sex. So I'm going to leave it there because there is so much more to explore in this book. We have just scratched the surface, but it has been so important on my path because if I didn't have a new vision of what it meant to be female and what it meant to walk a spiritual path, which has always been the most important part of my life is walking a spiritual path, having a relationship with a higher power, feeling close to God. If I didn't understand human intimacy, sexual pleasure in this larger picture of spirituality, then I don't believe I would have ever really had the tremendous transformation that I had in terms of being released from depression, being released from anxiety. It was understanding the framework of what sex is about and understanding the roadmap that was given to us. Yes, your left brain needs to get a concept before it'll fully allow your body to experience it. 
if we observe something and we only see it as very limited or in a certain way, that will, that perception will limit what we allow our body to experience. Our body could have the experience, but it'll never filter up to our brain if we don't even know it's possible. So this whole idea of set and setting, the expectations you have going into using the psychedelic, the expectations that you have with sex, with lovemaking, it really does make the difference. And what saddens me is so many people in the world today have been cut off from this possibility of sex being transcendent because they have a religious story in their head of it being the opposite of a spiritual experience. They have a story that has been spun by religions all over the world and also culture that really has religion as the enemy of pleasure. And it doesn't have to be that way. In fact, it's not that way. If you look at really understand the science of it, and if you've talked to people who've had the experience, and then importantly, if you look at what some of these ancient teachings in, even in Christianity, are guiding us to. So I'm excited to share more with you in future episodes. Please go ahead and leave a review of this podcast so more people can find out about it. You're welcome to send a question if you'd like more information on anything we've talked about in any episodes. You send the question to questions at whydidntiknow.net. W-H-Y-D-I-D-N-T-I-K-N-O-W dot net. Thanks again. We'll see you next time. Namaste. Namaste.